like yesterday. Five, four, three, two, one. Wake up. Wake up. Another episode of, of Those People Podcast. It's time to wake up. Sorry. I'm, sorry. It's only 1030. I am awake. Good. All right. Welcome back to episode 11 of Those People Podcast. 11, like from Stranger Things. That's right. Oh, let's talk about that. You want to talk about that? Season two? We have to make sure that we give a spoiler alert yeah. for anybody who hasn't finished watching season two of Stranger sure. Things. I'm sure we won't give away too many details, but yeah, spoilers. <laughs> Just in case. What did for you think of it overall? Um, well, I mean, I was super excited about it because I loved season one. Um and then season two, I guess there was just so much buildup for it that I just, I don't think anything could have reached what I was hoping for. What do you mean? I think I just had such high expectations for the characters and you, I mean, for, at least for me, season one, I fell in love with the characters. It was just, they were so endearing. Wait, are you saying you didn't like it? I enjoyed, there were parts of it that I liked, but there were some things that I was a little bit, um, disappointed with. Like what? You were saying something about the characters? Yeah, I mean, there were some points in this season where um, I was frustrated with some of the characters for reasons. I think that they they made the characters kind of unlikable sometimes. And characters don't need to be perfect or unlikable mm-hmm. all the time, but it just seemed like unreasonable things that were happening to make the characters unlikable. Like, give me something specific. Are you talking about, like, uh, what they did with... Eleven going through that like angsty preteen. Well, and then even before that, she has like the tantrums mm-hmm. with um, Hopper, Hopper and yeah. and I mean he. I there seemed to be a lot of fighting. There like, was a lot of fighting this this season. Like nobody really got along. Lots of disagreements, and they had disagreements in the first season, but it it was reconciled and. They're, mm-hmm. They overcame it, and you still liked them even when they were fighting. And there was fighting a lot in season one, you're right. And, like, I think my take on it was it kind of lost a little bit of its charm. I don't think they were trying to be charming as it was season one, where it was nostalgic and all this, you know, Almost like blast from the vibe. past. Yeah. And um, I think it was present there, but because we, you know, got our fill of it, Season one, it, we weren't charmed. We weren't blown away by it because we already knew what was coming. I, and also, I think what was, and that might be unfair of me to say, I think what what I missed was that charm. And what I also missed was the mystery of what was going on in season one. You weren't quite sure what everybody was for and what the upside down was and all this and everything. It was the discovery. And what this was was less of that and more of kind of, I don't know. I don't know what you call it. But it was it was very much kind of like how it's like it's like this, like like the when The Walking Dead kind of got developed or whatever, like the further seasons. And then all the characters kind of got split up into different Mm storylines. And so now instead of having like a group of like five or six kind of moving along and they would cut away to another group that was doing something else. There would be like two main storylines in season one. Whereas in season two, there was like five or six going on. Yeah. That are like, whoa. it's all disconnected. Um, there's barely, well, any it wasn't disconnected, but it was like, no, I mean like you're taking away all of the, the relationships between the characters that 
we loved from the first season. And then you're adding all this You're adding new characters and that... Yeah, there's a lot of drama in it. And you can have some drama. I mean, you have to have conflict for a story. There were some good things in the show. There were. I guess I just got... There were some parts that I was disappointed with, with like the stuff with Dart and kind of that tension within the group. And it just seemed unnecessary. That's <laughs> the thing that that got me was that there were there was unnecessary conflict that didn't really add anything. Mm-hmm. At least in my opinion, I felt like there were different ways they could have gone about it mm-hmm. um, that would have made the characters still likable even through the conflict. And not saying that they're completely unlikable. It just it seemed a little it, unnecessary for like Eleven to finally escape from Hopper's like hideaway. Got all the way to the middle school and then just find her hanging out with the new with uh, with Mad Max, like that didn't seem to be necessary, right? Because she got all mad, she kicked the skateboard out from under her and then ran away. I was like, what was that for? Well, even that wasn't that bad. But like, what was that for though? What did it accomplish? Was well, that like the peak? That was like the tipping point for her, where she kind of just got over the top angry, and then Hopper and her had that big fight, and that led to her finally just breaking away and running away like if you look back in retrospect and you watch it again you can kind of see how it's like a chain of events that lead up to that point mm-hmm. and it kind of looks linear but as you're watching it for the first time you're like okay what is this leading to what is this leading to and you're like oh okay i guess now she's got a leather jacket and slick back hair all of a sudden like it just well, seems out of nowhere seems so out of the blue that episode could be removed and things would st- and you you wouldn't miss a beat in the story like it just yeah it seemed so out of place and it seemed like a completely different show right like if i watched that episode without any context of anything and i guess you could say that about a lot of shows but it just seemed so far fetched and i know it's called stranger things so it's about strange things but it it wasn't it wasn't the fact that it was strange it just was it seemed forced like they're trying to do these really over the top 80s characters and well i think i have no real problem with that i think i think i think what bothers me is the little things like, like the little things like uh what was her number 8 the other mutant that she runs into mutant? that's like her sister this is whatever, x-men, x-men that, whatever, it, what do you call it did it? remind me of x-men what is it what would you call them they're not like a word for they're sisters or whatever i guess is what they using their own term but she has like a British accent for no reason. No, she didn't. She was, I think she naturally has one, but she was like kind of She has to... an accent though. Yeah. She, where, she was supposed to grow up in Chicago, right? Well, it was more subtle. It was, I don't, I think she was trying to. She was very deliberate in all of her like, in her dialogue. And so it just, to me, it sounded British. Like off the, I, I thought. And that kind of like, I was like, well, she was a kid in that facility. Where would she have attained that accent? But I mean, maybe there, maybe it was just me hearing it wrong. But I didn't like her character, honestly. I didn't think she added anything new. She was kind of new. a bully to Eleven. And well, it's fine. Be a jerk. I don't mind if 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 she's like mean and aggressive and is the dark side of this power that they're trying to initiate. Also, like Star that. Wars. But it was kind of like. Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> well, I, I have no problem with her being like hitting her bad side. You know what I mean? But it was just so cheesy. It was so corny. The choking. The, well, no. Force what chokes. I mean is like what what number eight did. 
like look at this they all have like purple hair and they're all like living in a in a in a little warehouse that stomp looked like it performed in and like it's just really you know i don't know it doesn't scream mean streets of chicago i don't don't care if it's supposed to be charming 80s or whatever but it's just like if you if if l is supposed to be exploring her vengeful anger like if she's exploring the dark side of her then i would have liked it to be less corny you know what i mean I get it that it's Stranger Things and it's supposed to be charming and childlike and everything, but there were some things that they're going over that goes, whoa, that's pretty serious. It's well, hard to think, be corny in that situation. I don't think that it was trying to be charming in that. I think it was trying to be... Um, Just bad execution. Well, maybe. I think it's it's who they had there. They had a lot of people they were trying to introduce all at once. Right. And there are all these really larger-than-life kind of characters with colorful mohawks like you were saying and i think part of what they were going for with that whole vibe was the aesthetic i think i guess so yeah like it's these wide shots of these colorful graffiti and neon lights with the the leather (coughs) and the masks that they wear when they go to rob Mm -hmm. places and cause trouble so i i felt like part of it was just so that they could incorporate that aesthetic yeah, I think it was just over-dramatized. And we're, obviously this podcast is called Those People Podcast. So we're going to be those people that overanalyze a show that's meant to be entertaining. We're going to be those people. Sorry. But well, I, mean, yeah. I don't know. That was, we didn't ha- I didn't have any complaints from the first season. Well, okay. Part of... It's kind of unfair because going into the first season, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't hear about it. I just started watching it because you put it on and then I I loved it because it was just so unexpected. It was just such a pleasant surprise. Mm. And so each episode was just so like... You know what I am glad about? I'm glad that they didn't bring Barb back. To be perfectly honest, I know that sounds like such a jerk thing to say, but they showed that she was dead for a season. Mm-hmm. And then all of your friends on Tumblr got on and then were like, bring Barb back. Yeah, because you and your Tumblr friends. What does that even mean? (laughs) I'm rubbing you together into a generality. I know you love that. That's not fair. Um, But like, she's dead. Some things aren't a happy ending. You know, she's probably a newfound fan favorite for some reason, whatever. But she's dead. People can die. You don't have to bring them back just because your fans all of a sudden of the show get all teary-eyed because they relate or whatever reason. She's dead. Be be sad about it. It's supposed to be sad. It, it bothered, what's her name? Nancy. Nancy, who, by the way, is now like one of my least favorite characters. Well, see, and that was something that bothered me too is that like they talk about how like they have these guys fawning over her and saying that she's special, she's not like the other girls, but they don't really make anything redeeming about her. Like, it's... I wanted to like her just because I just was trying to. I wanted well, her... They put you right... She. They put her right in your face as if she's supposed to be, like, important. But, the, but then they is. didn't really do anything that, that made me want to like her. Like, right. she gets drunk and she yells at Steve, who's actually more redeeming in this season he than he is in the first... He does get more redeeming. Like, he actually like is... I actually like him in the season yeah. and I think that was intentional, but it's like you feel bad for him. And then Nancy's just pulling these guys along. Like I feel bad for him. I feel bad for, um, 
Why can you not think of his name? I, don't I feel remember. so bad. John, um, Jonathan Byers, the Byers boy, Jonathan Byers. Yeah. Um, so I feel bad for both of them because, I mean, she's just kind of like, I don't know. Well, it was the, the thing that really sent me over the edge was when they were in that scene with the news reporter guy, that, the journalist that lives in that bunker or whatever. Oh, the conspiracy theorist guy. Yeah. And so like trying to get Barbara's story out there, uh, you know, like. Oh, we got the guy recording saying, you know, they killed her or whatever, and they're trying to cover it up. And like he, and he in there, in, in the journalist is like, I gotta think about it. And like, think about, and she's like, Nancy's like, think about what? Like, she gets all, we don't have time for this kind of, like, she gets that attitude out of nowhere. And the journalist is like, I gotta think, you know, and like, chick, calm down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like she just all of a sudden had like this uh, uh, determined well, arrogance all of this, a sudden. I don't know what the right word for it was. She was very smart. She's supposed to be that. smart. She's supposed to be this like straight A student, intelligent, witty. And she doesn't come across as very smart sometimes with the things that she does. And well, I, don't, I don't like she gets herself in these situations where like, why did you do that? I need I think. I, I may have to look at it again, but I don't know what her, like, quote-unquote role is as far as the group is. She's just there. She's the love interest between these two guys. Well, see... And that's this it, is, really, they, as far as I can remember. In the first season, they mentioned something about, like, the group of boys were saying that she used to be cool. Like, mm -hmm. she used to play D&D &D with them and dress like an elf. But and they like, mentioned that. They didn't show that. I know, but, like, that. they should have shown more of that side of her. Like... That would have been likable. Well, at the very end, like she comes through it for it for the little uh, curly haired dude, Dustin. Yeah. She comes through from for them there. But I mean. Yeah. And so like that made that it a little bit better. But that was the very end of the, sh the season. And I called like, that, didn't I? I called that not that specific thing, but like as soon as the exciting ending happened. then I'm like, OK, and now for another 15 minutes of middle school wrap up. And we got exactly that. I don't know. See, I guess I it goes with the style of the 80s thing. I don't theme, mind that just kind as of much. Like, I know it's not your favorite, but I, I, know. I don't mind that as much if there was... I, I kind of was hoping that they would have done something a little bit different with like the strange part of the show. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> the stranger things of the show. I wish... I just want more Eleven do, going total... Uh, I loved her in the first Dr. season. Dr. X, you know. And in this... Professor X. I just want more of that. The second season, I just... It was hard to like her because I... It just... She was throwing tantrums. Hopper. Hopper's, like, I love Hopper. <laughs> Hopper has the patience of granite. Like, well, it's unbelievable he how would get, he could just scream at these punk kids and he's just like... And he gets <laughs> angry and he has... He does, but he... <laughs> it's, remember that scene... Where Finn, or what's his name? That's his real name. What's his character's name? The little dorky kid that is Elle's love interest. That's like, once he finds out that Elle was with him the whole time. You're talking about Mike? Mike. When Mike finds out that Elle was with Hopper the whole time, he like flips out and gets all angry. And at Hopper. At Hopper and like starts pushing. I'm like, dude, calm down. Calm down. You're supposed to be smart. Well, and I understand getting a little bit emotional, but 
It was just was it too, really it that, was too much. Was I think it, it was, really needed to be that emotional? Like it was just traumatizing for him? It wasn't. He was doing fine. He was this angry, you know, sad kid, but. But maybe make it more of a turn not like for he like. Li- I don't know if he the- like openly lied to him, but it was just like, dude. I can understand being down. upset, but I, I think that. Be understanding, at dwelled, least in the moment. It dwelled too much on him being. Anyway. Caught up in all of that. And then it yeah. was just a lot of that from a lot of the characters in the show. Yeah. And I think it was just kind of like over the topness. I I mean, maybe we're being a little bit harsh just because we had such high expectations coming off of the first season and there's all this hype. <coughs> yeah. Um, I just, that's probably it. And then I think when they come it into it, wasn't a this, bad season. It was, they just, they come into it and they, they want to make everybody happy so they're trying to do all these things and they introduce all these characters. And I think this happens a lot with sequels is where they get really ambitious with what they try to fit into the show. And they, they're trying to top themselves. And then it becomes just See, that's too the much. thing for me. I don't think they even tried very hard to top what they did first season. Well, okay. I will. They Something that also kind of disappointed me was how much they relied on flashbacks to the first season. They tried to capitalize on moments that were popular from the first season and reuse that mm. by showing it again. <laughs> it's like people who watched it are going to remember it. You don't need to keep relying mm. on all these flashbacks. It just, that is just, I don't know. It takes away from well, so the impact for me. I think the thing that makes me the most angry is that Bob died. Bob, I, I can't get I over was, that. See, and I thought about and they this did afterwards. It in the worst way possible, in the most predictable way. It was so predictable. As soon as you knew that he was the only one that could get it fixed, as soon as you knew that freaking Winona Ryder was still hanging out in the lobby for some reason, as soon as you knew that he caught his breath, had that slow motion look back at Winona, and they shared that slow motion smile of relief. You knew there was going to be when some demogorgon in the basement. Yeah, when you saw that, you knew some demogorgon was going to pop out of nowhere that nobody just miraculously noticed and just take him out right there. Yeah, I I'm like come on. It was just they they Why that way, you know? They telegraphed Why do it predictably? the whole thing. They telegraphed that whole sequence of him and I thought, well maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they're going to make it seem like he's not going to make it and mm-hmm. then he actually gets out. And that that's part of building up suspense. Like, that would have been awesome. Like, um, I like Bob. I'm disappointed that he's dead. But if they killed him, I wish they did it in a way that was... Not... That was unavoidable. Like, this seemed avoidable. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it, and I thought, well, maybe they... They knew they had to get rid of him because they couldn't have him for another season, Sean Aston. But... Well, I don't know why not. But, I mean, I don't know. That was the Netflix only thing I could think of. banking. Why couldn't they afford him? I'm not saying what they couldn't afford doing? him, but maybe... I don't know. Doing Rudy Maybe that too? was the reason. What'd you say? Doing Rudy too? Like, what, is, what does he do? Like, the last I movie I remember seeing him in was 50 First Dates. Was that the last thing? No, that's definitely not the last movie he was working in, but that was the last movie that I saw him in, other than, like, Lord of the Rings and Rudy and... I, I can't else. remember the last thing I saw him He's busy. But anyway... Anyway, yeah. that's Stranger Things too. It's I think, to a long story short, it wasn't as good as the first season, in my opinion. After just one viewing, probably I'll feel differently after a second viewing. 
but there were moments that we were laughing about and of course we're like oh that was you know that's awesome it wasn't a bad season i think it's just harder to put it's we're more critical on it just because of how much we like the first season you build it up so much and you have high expectations for it and speaking of being critical or rather not critical we've had a an experience of um going to being kind of in how do i describe this we were invited to our first red carpet event here in houston i'd say red carpet in quotations i mean i don't know if there was a literal red carpet no i mean i know that (laughs) i'm just i'm trying to think if i've been to something before that oh you may have i have never been to a like a premiere. Anyway, I've been well, to some premieres and stuff, but what was okay? So the Houston Film Commission does a um, what is it called? Houston Film Commission, the Houston Cinema Arts Festival. Houston, Houston Cinema Arts Festival. This is their ninth year doing it, and my uncle is I wasn't aware of this on the advisory board for this, but because he lives in L.A., he he is not available to fly down for a Thursday evening screening. So uh, we were, he was nice enough to give us a couple of tickets for us to go. And so Tony and I um, went down to the Museum of Fine Arts, dressed up and got there bright and early. (laughs) Fashionably early. Well, I knew I had a window of time. I had to go straight from work. So right. If I left the too late, I would have been stuck in traffic and I wouldn't have made it. And so I left a little bit earlier mm. to try to get there in time. I didn't uh, know what the parking situation was going to be like. Gosh. So I had no expectations of what was what it was going to be like. Well, this thing is supposed to be like a formal screening, like a premiere for a film festival here in Houston. Now, it ain't Hollywood, but Houston's still a big city and there's a lot of art enthusiasts so there's a big showing of uh directors and journalists and well it's a film, film festival it's the first night of everything. a film festival because they have um so they were all sorts of people that were dressed up they had furs on they had their jewelry on and they were all in their 50s 60s 70s 80s and then there was me and tawny <laughs> they weren't all in that range That's you're free, exaggerating i'm not exaggerating how many people were there about 200 I don't know. How the average age, what do you think? What? The average age of that group, what do you think it was? I don't know. If you think it's below 50, you're lying. There was... I think it was below 50. Oh, you're so nice. Anyway, we we didn't look like we belonged there. That's my point. I don't think that's true. That is true. And I know why. Here's how I can prove why. And your self-conscious feeling. Yes. But I also have evidence to back that up. So when we got there, like I said earlier, we were the first one. We were the first ones there, right? We were the first ones there. So we walked up. We weren't the first ones there. There was somebody else there. One other person there, yeah. But we were the first ones there. We walk in and all the... And the thing starts at 530. So we showed up at 530 like you're supposed to. Or so we thought. We walk into and it's in the pre-Columbian gold room. So the thing is pretty cool. They have like they have the these little tables set up to stand at, and there's different areas to pick up food and drinks and everything. And you just meet and greet and talk and eat um, around this museum exhibit for an hour and a half before the movie starts. And so we show up first, and we go through the room all the way to the back where the where the open bar is. 
And I make eye contact with one of the three bartenders that are back there. And they are around our age. And we had like a connection where we both knew that I didn't belong there. (laughs) Because this guy is used to having to deal with really, quote unquote, important people who think they're important and all that. You know what I mean? So he sees me walk in there and he's like, oh, I know I could easily be in reverse roles with this person. I could just as easily be that bartender behind there. So we had like a connection point right away. So he dropped his formality completely. It was like, how y'all doing? You know, you remember how friendly he was? Mm-hmm. He was like casual. Whereas all the other people were like super formal. This guy was like, just, Hey, well, how's think, it going? He could What's tell we were on? uncomfortable. And I think yeah, he was it, being a nice. lot of it's just us in our heads too. Just no, kind of it like, wasn't. it was a, it was a, it was a dude recognizing another dude. And it was just kind of like, what can I, how y'all doing kind of thing. Not, how could I help you? How may I help you? It was, how's it going guys? Like, it was cool I'm what, is what I'm saying. But it kind of affirmed for me kind of what the evening would be like as, as, as much, as much as, uh, who would be there because we, come on. Like, it's not a bad thing. What I'm saying is it's, it was fun because we were the one, like the one couple there that was there for the reason that we were there. You know what I mean? Everybody else was intentionally being there to be important and be part of the evening and, well, or were involved the, in the film or done a film the or passes all that. that. We, got we were just there to enjoy were the, the VIP night. passes. So it was meant for people. Like it was meant for the directors. It was meant for. Yeah. But everybody there was, pretty much there for the screening. It was the opening day. So you weren't there to, I don't know. I guess I'm all wrong. And you, <laughs> and, <laughs> what, what are you I'm just saying about? you're exaggerating. How am I exaggerating? How am I exaggerating? What did I get wrong? <laughs> I think a lot of this is you in your head and you're, Painting it in this way where it's like, I don't know. Name one other person in their 20s in the group. Point one I'm out. I'm really bad at guessing people's ages. Oh my gosh. So anyway, we move on. It was, and by the way, I'm just saying this because to add levity to the thing. Otherwise, it's just a boring story of us going to the movie. So I'm trying to bring levity to something that just is normally pretty routine. Um... We go to this screening and it was awesome. It was called uh, Love Cecil. It's a, a documentary about Cecil Deaton. Cecil Beaton mm-hmm. was a Vogue photographer, fashion designer, production designer. He's most probably famous for being the production designer befo- uh, behind Gigi and My Fair Lady. So, uh, really interesting story. Just talking about this guy who was born in. Uh, United Kingdom in the 20s or something like that. It just, it went through his life. From New York to back there. His perspective from interviews with him. Kept um, a ton of journals. And people talking about him who either knew him or knew of his work um, and just kind of went through his whole life and his experience with um, Mm. photography and just kind of finding himself and what he found inspiration in and how he focused so much on beauty and how that was something that drove him through 
his life. It was a really good documentary and it was actually really cool to see how he was sort of innovative with what he had because he wanted so much to be part of these mm-hmm. extravagant lifestyles. Um, and he didn't come from that kind of background. So he, he yeah. kind of had to make it as himself. He basically dreamed his existence into reality. It was kind of like, I am going to be this way and then make a career out of it. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. It was really cool. And his photography's it's very really good. Cool. It's it's um, it was kind of, <laughs> it kind of makes you want to go out and just start taking pictures of things. Well, that's why I was kind of happy that our friend Stephanie challenged us on Instagram to start doing that uh, seven day black and white photo challenge thing. It was like the same day. Yeah, so that was kind of a cool kind coincidence. Of stars aligned up for that. Well, and then you had your camera. You like you you got a you had a lens for. A, yeah, I got camera. a 50 millimeter lens coming for work, so got to have fun experimenting with that. So that's pretty cool. So thank you, Kent, if you hear this. Um, Tony and I really enjoyed it, and so it made us feel very much part of the art scene, and we'd be happy to do it again. <laughs> yeah. And I love being, being in the museum district at night. Mm-hmm. There's something cool about just it being cold and... It was cold that night and then like empty. Yeah, it was cold. Man, like the museum district clears out on a weekday there. It'd be yeah. like 10 o'clock and there's not a sound outside. It's crazy. And I want to go to the museum more often. I think we need to go. Um, there, I was saying that we should have dressed up in our Halloween costumes to go to the museum. <laughs> For Halloween, we dressed up as uh, Ferris Bueller and Sloane Peterson. and <laughs> That would have been perfect. Yeah, then we would have stood out even more. Mm-hmm. So We just stand in front of all the paintings and just have our arms folded and just stand there until somebody acknowledged us. <laughs> so much say us. <laughs> yeah, you sound really tired. I know we're doing this really late. Oh, it's Am okay. I losing you? A little bit. You're just kind of like half eyes open. I think about 10 minutes ago, you're just kind of... Well... You're like swaying yourself to sleep right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. You are. You have been like it's in It's like your, a subconscious thing. I'm in a swivel chair and, and I have like back and a very forth. fuzzy blanket on me mm-hmm. and I don't have my contacts in. So everybody's... Everything is sort of like in this dreamy haze mm-hmm. where it's like I could be conscious or I could be falling out of consciousness. Oh, let's, uh, we should mention, um, Bespoke. Yeah, we, I was going we to. saw that earlier. Uh, what? Because we went and saw it, finally. We did. We saw it this past weekend. Uh, so Bespoke is a store that was just opened up by our friends Morgan and Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an artisan shop, like an artisan mercantile shop over in the Heights in The Houston. Heights Mercantile District of Houston. And it's super cute. It's like, awesome. Everybody needs to go look at it. And buy something. Buy something. Buy, buy two more things. than one thing. Buy lots of things. What did we get? So Tyler bought me a wrap bracelet with snake vertebrae bones. It's super cool. It's really cool. I'll post it on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it's I have I have a picture ready. I just haven't posted it yet because I was doing the black and white thing. I didn't know if I could break the the black and white trend. So like go out and, and, and go out and meet them. You can't, it'd be hard to find a more sweet couple than Morgan and Andy. They are 
doing something that, you know, blows my mind and that is opening up an, a store, period. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> much everything that goes heights, into that. Much less than the heights, you know, where it's probably pretty competitive or, you know, I don't know. I don't know that whole deal. We should have them on the podcast to talk about no, we, it. We definitely should. Just, just get a little insight. And they'd be able the to talk experience. more about um, what they're goes on there and stuff about that it is super it is really cool um they have all sorts of like really neat instruments and leather goods shoes bags wallets um i really this is something i really want to get the mounted uh butterflies and insect um, displays that they have i've always always wanted like more than one. I've wanted like a bunch of them and they have some very beautiful ones. These, I think they're called bug boxes. They're gorgeous and I want them so badly. So So, one day. Go check it out. Um, I'm sure they have an Instagram in bespoke. Is it bespoke? Dot dot HTX. Dot HTX. B E S P O K E dot HTX. Your spelling bee skills are on the return. So I definitely want to have them on just to talk about that. Cause I'm actually interested in knowing the whole story about that because it came out of nowhere. I wasn't aware that they were even thinking about doing that. And all of a sudden, boom, I hear, here it goes. There it is. Yeah. It's super cool. And I love that area. We went and got a uh, really good, uh, what was it? Food next door to it. Yeah. We went to a crepery place. You got a really good crepe and so, I got an okay sandwich. It looked like it was pretty good. Here's what happens. I need to just copy whatever you order because you always get the best thing whenever we order someplace new. You always, <laughs> inst- yeah, I think you have an instinct. You have a gift of being able to just go to a restaurant that you're not, you've never been to and get something immediately, like the best thing on their menu. I don't know. Maybe it's because I play it safe. I just got like a, there was only three things to choose from. Like I got a turkey sandwich with, it was good with like, a bunch of stuff on it <laughs> and like avocado and it was amazing and the hummus it was so good but then you had that crepe that was half the price of my sandwich and it was and it blew my like whole meal away yeah it's it was it made I, me look like I a fool i couldn't figure out how to eat it very well though i was making a that is true mess. you I, i'm a slob dropped you guys. half of it no, that was i don't think you're a slob that was a particularly extraordinary mm. event where you Looked like you were Captain Hook for a second, like you tried to eat a crepe. What does that even mean? It means like you forgot how to use one of like your I was hands. Missing a hand. <laughs> that's what it looked like. I had like. a crepe for a hand and I was trying to eat it. That's actually really accurate. That's what it, it looked was, like. That's because what was happening. It's like, like I looked like I had it like in my sleeve and I was yeah. just like munching. <laughs> like, like, it was just dripping all over uh, me. I had a dress on and it was just like spilling down my dress. Yes. It was. It was pretty magnificent, you guys. Um. It's embarrassing. You embarrassed me. I felt all of the uh, <laughs> the judgmental <laughs> eyes of the heights of Houston looking at oh us. Oh, my goodness. They could smell the suburbs. <laughs> I didn't care. It was delicious. <laughs> they can judge away. I'll lick it off my dress afterwards, too. I'm like a cat. Speaking of cats, after that, we went to the Fat Cat Creamery, and that was delicious. Yes, that was. Well, and I, and I messed up again. <laughs> you got this amazing... Um, ice cream. Like you got chai one tea scoop. coconut you ice cream. You got this cream. chai tea coconut in one scoop in a tiny little cup. And I got like an ice cream with a cone. 
What did I you got, get? It was called the Arnold Palmer, which isn't tea and, and <laughs> lemonade. It's a mixture of two of the ice creams that they have. They only have six flavors of ice cream. Well, they have small batch what, ice cream. Well, I asked them what like their yeah they make their own ice cream, but I was I asked them like okay what is an Arnold Palmer and they said something and I didn't understand what they said and I felt like the <laughs> weight of the line behind me like okay, I don't want to yeah I'll take it. Because I don't want to like sit there and think, like, do you want to taste it? And then like taste it and I could feel the eyes rolling behind me. So oh I was pressured. Goodness. I pressured myself and they also pressured me into picking an ice cream. I rolled the <laughs> dice and I, and I lost. I took a gamble. Oh. I couldn't finish it. And you and like yours was amazing. It was ah, really good. It's so funny because I told I told my friend at work, Angel, that we went to the Heights and I was telling her about Bespoke and kind of like because she asked, oh, how'd your weekend go? Like uh, you guys do anything fun? And so I kind of talked about how we went over to the yeah. Heights, checked out Bespoke and some antiques shops and stuff. And uh -huh. and then she's like, oh, yeah, I love it over there. Do you guys go like did you guys eat anywhere? And so she's like a big foodie. So she loves like talking about Ooh. the different places. And so I said, yeah, we went to this creperie place and then we got something sweet afterwards. And she's like, fat cat creamery is really good. It's over there. I was like, that's where we went. It's <laughs> like mostly just because of like fat cat. Cause I really wanted, I wanted to I go a really key picture of you in front of the cat. And I got to post that so. <gasps> or just give it to you for you to post. <laughs> I wish they had, a cat like living there that, that was know, like the don't. mascot. It could have been behind the counter. I guess so. Cats are elusive. It's they true. always you elude my grasp <laughs> every day. It's so sad. Like the tease. The tease. The tease. So there's a cat in your neighborhood. <laughs> so there's about 50 cats. There's not 50 cats. On your street. I wish there were 50 cats. There's about 12 cats on your street. Maybe. I Probably, I would say more than 12. Mm. And there's this one particular orange cat that likes to hover between your house and the, and the house across the street. And it, what it'll do is it, you do this thing where whenever <laughs> you see a cat, you stop everything that you're doing, get on your hands and knees and crawl to this freaking thing. I don't do that thing. every time. Every time. I don't do that every time. Yeah, not when you're driving. But if you're walking I, by, if you are physically standing within 20 yards of a cat, that is exactly what you do. And nine out of ten times, a cat will come up to you, except for the tease. The tease is such a tease. The That's tease why it's called will, the tease. What it'll do is it'll run away, turn around, crawl up, and yowl at you sweetly, okay, and so, then jump back away again. So she lures me in. She makes it seem like she's going to come up to me and let me pet her. So she'll like, meow, meow, meow. And she'll <laughs> like creep in closer until she's just arm's length away. I'll reach out and she'll, and she'll turn away and just, and then just like scamper across the street. And then I, I and then I'm lured in at that point because I've already invested. I'm already kneeled down. I'm already meowing back. And so I go across the street and she does the same thing. And then she just runs completely out of reach every single time. And then also Shadow does that too. There's a black cat. It's like a fluffy black cat that does that too. There are some friendly cats though. There's Garfield, who's my favorite. He's the biggest, fluffiest cat. He's so majestic. <laughs> I love him so much. I want to steal him, but then cool. I wouldn't want to make his family upset. But 
I love him so much. And he's the friendliest, the friendliest cat in the world. And there's there's some other really cool cats. Again, with the cool cats. Yep. I'm going to have to play that song. Oh, man. See, I love how excited you got when you were talking about cats. See, you were about to fall asleep in front of your microphone about 15 minutes ago. And then we talked talk about cats and... You stopped swiveling and your volume went way high. Because <laughs> I'm really feline, this oh. topic. <sighs> well, let's end on that note, I guess. Um. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>